Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. And my name is Peter. Welcome back, Peter. How was your week? It was lovely, thank you. I had a nice time not thinking about video games. Um, not because I don't like to think about video games, but it's just mm-hmm. nice to, to do something different, isn't it? It um, is. It's exhausting yeah. to think about games all the time, all the as time. we do. Yeah, you know? constantly. How was your week? Off. Hey, it was pretty good, thanks. Got mm-hmm. to play some uh, stream games with James Jenkins. James Jenkins? Philip stepped in, did a marvellous job on the podcast. Mm. It was nice. Had a wonderful week without you, quite frankly. Sad yeah. you're back, but we must persevere, mustn't we? It's E3! Someone's it's beeping E3. a car outside your... Every conceivable noise is <laughs> happening outside of my window in the quiet little area that I live. It has no through w- w- uh, road, and yet somehow it is the loudest place in uh, in the NE postcode area mm-hmm. currently. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, it's E3, Peter. It's E3. Uh, sound the E3 horn. Meep, meep. Oh, yeah, different horns there. Yeah. Slightly um, different horns. Very exciting. I mean, E3 has basically commenced by the time this video goes out or this this podcast yeah. goes out hasn't it not a time of recording yeah. but uh... no not a time of recording it's thursday so tonight it's summer game fest uh we've done predictions we're doing live stream reactions we've got lists going out we've got what happened at videos going out all sorts of stuff yet in spite of that because as peter mentioned we are recording before e3 kicks off we can't talk about it. So next week will be our E3 special podcast. We recommend that all question submitters, and we'll get to that in a second, how you can submit questions, uh, ask E3-related questions, announcement-related questions. We'll go through all of it, mm-hmm. talk about what we think of E3 uh, 2021, when the, the dust has settled on the, yeah. on the whole event. Uh, but this week, it's a regular old podcast, which isn't so bad, but... We do have a sponsor, don't we, Peter? Of course we do. Um, I don't know if you know, actually, Ben, but the Entertainment Software Association, the ESA, um, mm. they've decided to diversify, not just in being... For, they don't want to just be an association about entertainment software anymore, but also right. entertainment hardware. So they're okay. kind of starting a new branch, the EHA, where they, they're <laughs> dealing with hardware stuff. First thing they want to do is create mm. a special... Um, uh, like AI robot gaming buddy 
who will sit with you and do like couch co-op and stuff. Um, and they've worked on a few iterations already. Um, they've, I mean, they've given him a name, but I don't want to like, I don't want to dox him or anything. So let's just, uh, yeah. let's just call him Keith, shall we, for now? Keith, okay. yeah. Um, and uh, they they had to go through a few different versions. You know, they did a sort of like beta build and stuff. But the version three I think is ready for release. So coming soon from the EHA, Keith three. Keith. Three. Keith three. He's coming. Wow. What advantages does Keith three have over Keith two? Um. Well, they won't go into that because it's really top secret information. Um. Oh, the there were no there were definitely no deaths at the EHA. It doesn't kill anyone anymore. It doesn't kill anyone anymore, or never did, or never Good. did. Not and or. never did, or never and did, or never did. Wow. Mm. So the ESA not only responsible for E three, but having diversified and and spun off the EHA, they've now got Keith three as well. Keith three, he's coming. He's coming for you. He's coming. Don't turn around. (laughs) Keith three is already here. Mm -hmm. Wow, he sounds incredible. What's the RRP? When can I get him? Uh, The RRP for Keith three from the EHA is uh, (laughs) $2.99. $2.99. $2.99. Then I go and sit in my chair again. And the whole the whole place erupts. Oh, place wow, that wild. sounds great. Can't wait to get one. Can't wait. So excited. Going to lock in my pre-order right now. Excellent. That's good. Um, yeah. It's not real, Ben. Don't don't lock in a pre-order. It's not real. You'll waste your you're, money. You're terrible. I can't believe you did that. I, I just saved you two ninety nine. So just be careful there. But with... it was two ninety nine. I'd already made peace with losing in exchange mm. for a fantastic robot companion that doesn't kill me. No, well, Definitely maybe doesn't. one day, maybe one day they will spin off and create Keith okay. 3. Well, um, I'm a little sad, but never mind. One thing I can confirm is real, though, are our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, where for as little, there's some beeping, do you hear that? Yeah. No, just someone reversing, just some big, loud vehicle reversing. Where for as little as $1 per month, you can submit, stop it, you can submit questions for this podcast uh, that's uh, patreon.com. I'm being thrown off by the beeping. Patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. Please do go and support us. We have other tiers available, all sorts of stuff. Where are we going to be walking this week, Peter? Um, how about, well, it's not really the E3 episode, so let's not walk in front of the like LA Convention Center or whatever. Um, what about Keith 3, otherwise known as the Kinderbot? Yeah, okay. Just You remember just, the Kinderbot? Not really, no. I just sort of, I kind of rolled with that punch, but um Oh, okay. Kinder the Kinderbot. Let me Yes, do you not remember? It was it was one of the edutainment uh consoles and it was horrifying. Oh, it, that it was like one. A little robot oh, yeah, thing. I forgot it was called Kinderbot. I remember that. I think that it's guy. called Kinderbot. I'm Casey not sure. the Kinderbot. He's really scary. He's okay. very frightening. Good. Well, people enjoy watching that. I'm sure mm-hmm. you will. Uh, Before we get to question one, though, Peter, it's time to hear a little bit about triplejump.gg. Hello, everyone. As well as our extremely real and totally not fictitious in any way sponsor, we're officially partnered with PlayStation, Xbox and Nintendo to sell their codes through our own website, triplejump.gg. 
Here you can get everything from topping up your digital wallets to PlayStation Plus, Xbox Live Gold, Xbox Game Pass and Nintendo Switch Online subscriptions as well as Minecraft Mine Coins. <laughs> mine Coins? They'll be your coins any minute. <laughs> nice one, Peter. Oh, thanks very much. It's 100% legitimate, directly supports us and provides you with the delightful digital currencies you're going to buy anyway. Visit triplejump.gg to browse our full stock. Triplejump.gg. This is a real sponsor. Well, now it's time for question one. This is from Cameron Keywood. Um, Cameron Keywood, we know that one. He helped me get a platinum. Oh, yeah, that one. He says, hi, boys. I use a renting software, uh, a renting service. Sorry, I'm still thinking about key three, I think, with software. (laughs) Hi, boys. I use a renting service, Boomerang Rentals, for some games these days, and it saved me money in this pandemic world, and is becoming more popular. Do you Mm. think that game renting can make a comeback, and would you consider making the switch to renting big releases? Thank you, Cameron. Good question. Not just for your question, but for helping my friend Ben with his Yes, thank you, Cameron. Appreciate it. Uh, have you? I suppose a, a first question here, Peter, would be: Have mm. you ever used a rental service for games before? Because they definitely used to be popular. They did. I have never rented a video game. Either. Big money, Austin, rolling <laughs> in with his fifty p's. Well, maybe that's because I don't have the big money, and I don't want to. I. It, I mean, it doesn't mean I've got big money. It means that maybe I just sat around just playing the same games for a while. <laughs> just played Spyro forever. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I, I've never used a, a rental service such as Boomerang Rentals. That's not a sponsor. Or uh, I never even sort of rented one casually from like the shop, the local game rental shop. Um, mm-hmm. I think that partly was because uh, I lived in a village and there wasn't a place yeah. that I could easily rent games from. Um, Mrs. So, Goggin's post office, just, they didn't have a great range, did they? Well, they didn't have a great range of rental games, but Mrs. Goggin's post office was, um, it was part of a cost cutter. Uh, that Ooh, was the village shop. And for a nice. time, they had DVD rentals there and actual PS1 games for sale. Wow. Um, that's, the, that's incredible. It was actually pretty incredible. We used to get, just walk from our house to the corner shop and there would be PS1 games you could buy for like £15. Oh, I'm they weren't so jealous. They weren't always very good. Uh, sometimes they were. I think I got Gauntlet mm-hmm. Legends from that shop and that was a great okay. game. But um, it's probably years after it had come out. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I've never rented a game. Um, but I can definitely see the appeal, uh, mm. particularly with a game that if you're not sure about it, if it's a new release, uh, or if it's something that's not had extensive coverage online, so maybe a bit of an obscure game, you might think, oh, I wonder if I can rent that and give it a go because there's not much of a consensus available on the internet as to whether it's going to be something I would enjoy. So absolutely, there's there's a good reason to use rental services. And, I mean, the, the questions really in that Cameron's given us are do we think it'll make a comeback and would we consider making the switch i think we are very very fortunate boys in the sense that we probably won't really need to ever use a rental service for big releases because generally we're able to sort of get them through the company big Um, money triple jump absolutely Uh, although that said we do sort of take turns on getting a copy of a game and being the kind of the lead on that game so if for yeah. example something was coming out that i was down to 
get the bought copy via Triple Jump. You might think, oh, well, I kind of wanted to play that game too, and I don't know if you know it might be might be something I want to give a go. Maybe it's not, so maybe I'll rent it. I don't know. So it doesn't necessarily mean we'll never rent stuff, but it certainly mm. helps being in the position we are that we won't really have to generally. But yeah. do I think that game rent- renting can make a comeback? I mean, in a way, the fact that everything's going more and more towards digital stuff, uh, in some ways that makes it easier for people to rent. People like me, who lived in a village in the countryside, because, as I say, I didn't have hardware rental available to me. But if there was a system online that I could just log into and get access to a game temporarily, then, uh, you know, that's certainly an option. On the other hand, though, with things like Game Pass, that is essentially allowing you to rent, you know, dozens and dozens or hundreds of games while you've got the pass, if you see what I mean. So in some ways that makes game rental redundant. If you're willing to splash the cash on something like Xbox Game Pass, you suddenly have all these games available to you for as long as you're paying that fee. So I don't know, maybe that will actually start to push game rental out the door a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I am actually in agreement. I think you've touched on on most of what I was going to say there. Um, I believe renting physical games will only be viable for as long as physical games are viable. Yeah. Uh, there will, I can confidently say, never be a system in place for digital games quite like there is for physical games because, as you said, there are lots of uh, services already available like Game Pass, like PlayStation Now, where you mm. do essentially you have access to everything. You don't have to pay per title, although that could well change if companies want to squeeze more money out of us. Um, you just get access to a huge library, and it lasts as long as as your subscription does. Equally, PlayStation Plus, uh, you know, make sure you add all those free games every month to your library, even if you don't want them, because you can download any of them at any point. Again, as long as you you're still subscribed to PlayStation Plus. Mm-hmm. So, in a, in a sense, that's the modern day digital version. But yeah, f- physical games. I'm I'm in a way I'm glad to hear that they're they're doing all right because I have very vivid memories of cycling to Blockbuster and Ooh. renting renting Mercenaries 2 um and playing that and I also was briefly subscribed to Love Film before that was purchased by Amazon mm-hmm. um and turned into Amazon Prime Video or whatever the hell it was and I rented a couple of games through through that as well and it, it does work, and it's it's a it was a perfectly viable system. And for people who don't necessarily want to pay full price, but just want a, a week or whatever with the latest game, and they can finish it off in that time, then yeah, it does make sense. And I, I'm glad I've never heard of Boomerang Games uh, rentals, even, but I am I am certainly glad they exist to fill that niche. But I don't know how long necessarily that they will be around. You're right, because once, as you say, once um, physical games are essentially made obsolete by perhaps the next generation of consoles then uh, mm. all that will be left is digital and yeah there are there are already things in place that kind of trump individual game rental when you've got this entire you know library available for i don't know what the the price comparison would be like from renting one game versus subscribing to say PlayStation now but uh, mm-hmm. yeah it's going to probably not not do good things for the rental market Possibly not, but we shall see. We will. Who knows where we're going to go? I still like to predominantly buy physical games, although there was literally a moment um, a couple of nights ago 
where I was in a party chat on PS5 with a couple of friends and they said, what do you want to do? Should we play some Warzone or should we play some Zombies? And I said, oh, well, can we play Warzone? Because if we play Zombies, I literally have to walk three feet to put the Black Ops <laughs> disc in and I can't be asked." Uh, and so we played Warzone instead. So there are certainly, you know, we're reaching that turning point where the massive inconceivable inconvenience of having to put a disc in a console is already becoming too much for me mm-hmm. so i don't know if i'm perhaps reaching the point where i i start to pivot almost solely towards digital but i love having game boxes on my shelf and i don't know that that is necessarily going to go away anytime soon yeah i think i will always we've kind of had this conversation before about physical yeah. and digital but i i would always probably want to have physical copies of games that already mean a lot to me or will I kind of know going into it straight away that it will mean a lot to me. For example, like the the Reignited trilogy, you know, I got, I think I ended up with a digital copy of that for like review purposes, but I bought a physical copy as well later on because I just wanted one on my shelf, you mm-hmm. know, so things like that. I think I will always want that. So Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, Peter, it's time to move on to mm-hmm. a groundbreaking segment we've never done before. Yeah. What's it called? It's called What We Play In. Oh. <laughs> It's what we play in time. Peter Austin, I want to hear about every stream you play in, in last week. <laughs> well, yeah, I I I've been playing uh I've been playing swimming in <laughs> in rivers, the River Tweed. I've been playing did I play any like sort of games? I played uh the kazoo game. Have you played that game where you there's like a it's a an actual board game that comes in a box where um okay. You get given a card with songs on it, and you have to play it on a kazoo, and people have to guess what you're what you're playing. Oh um, no, I've I've never heard. I thought you were gonna say it's that game from the viral videos where you put put a kazoo in your mouth, and then a friend hits you in the knee with a oh yeah with like a saucepan, and then you go <laughs> yeah, that was a, a harmonica. That guy. Oh <laughs> right, I imagine it works with a kazoo. I don't yeah, know. probably Peter does. Austin's Wiley. He could make it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, so I I only got back home uh, what like three three or four days ago, uh, so I I didn't play much. Oh, I didn't play anything while I was away, of course. But in the meantime, I spent one evening just sorting my life out because when you've been away from home, everything is suddenly needs needs assistance. You need to uh, wash everything. You need to wash everything. Uh, you know, we've had a bit of extra work to do this week as well, preparing for various things. However, I have had two brief sessions uh, last night and the night before, just playing a little bit of hard mode on Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. So Ooh, I just okay. jumped back into that as much as uh, mainly just so I could talk about having played a game on the podcast. Right. Um, and I didn't want to play Resident Evil for reasons I've already said. I, you know, we're we're playing a lot of that at the moment and. I'm looking forward to my new game plus, but I'm going to wait till we finish streaming it before I get resied out. Um, mm. So I, I just hopped back into that for a little bit, and I'm enjoying it. It's a, you can new game plus that game as well. You can import your character from the like final save state of your of a previous run, uh, and they have right. all their stuff, and they're all leveled up, and uh, yeah, so so that's fun. I'm enjoying that game a lot, and I'm really hoping they give the same treatment to the sequel as well but that's really other than things that people will have seen me playing on the channel this week already and you know about that's all i've managed to play since i've been back from my holly bobs well you're easing back into it i am and i'm sure i have a lot more to talk about next time ratchet and clank perhaps Ooh, Um, yeah yeah. absolutely 
Um, what have you been playing, Ben? I've been all over this week. I've played loads, played loads mm-hmm. of different things. Uh, Ratchet and Clank is actually one of them. A Rift Apart uh, yeah. releases, I think, today, actually, at the time mm-hmm. of recording. It, it unlocks at 1 p.m. I have it downloaded, ready to go. Uh, so perhaps by the time this podcast is out, there may well be a quip scope that went out on Friday. Who knows? We'll mm. see. Um, but yes, hopefully I'll have played some of that. Looks great. Reviews are good. Looking uh, looking forward to playing it. Um, I've played approximately 10 minutes of Silent Hill 1 oh. uh, via PlayStation Classic on my Vita. And I played, and I mean, goodness, it's a spooky game, but it wasn't the spooks that made me put it down and then delete it from the Vita, it was that the game relies rather heavily on R2 and L2, which the Vita does not have, and in place of that, you're meant to use the back touchpad as sort of like um, digital buttons or virtual buttons for L2 and R2. I don't know if it's just because I've got a knackered launch Vita or if it just doesn't work very well, but I could not reliably get L2 and R2 to work, which is pretty important for, I think, aiming and firing guns. Oh, no. So I got, I struggled against the first enemy, got killed by it as I was like mashing the back touchpad desperately and looking up controls. And then I was like, this is going to be a terrible way to experience this game. So I got rid of it. It's um, a shame. It is a shame. It's de- definitely one that I still want to experience, though. Equally, Uncharted Golden Abyss, the Vita-exclusive uh, yeah. Sony Bend-developed Uncharted game that's sort of very much the black sheep of the Uncharted family, is never really talked about. Mm. Um, it's a game that I did enjoy when I played it through for the first time, obviously markedly not as good as the console ones. Um, and again, I don't know if it was my Vita or if my standards of controller have been raised so much but the dead zone on the right analog stick when aiming was insane like i just couldn't really sort of accurately aim my gun at all and i I got a bit cross with it and i think i was just in one of those moods where i was like i just i i was looking for reasons to not play this game and i found one almost immediately (laughs) so i put it down and i may well go back to it but yeah that was like oh god this is not as good as i remember I remember, and even when I played it then, I didn't think it was the greatest thing in the world. So, um, yeah, played a bit of that. Uh, played some Warzone, won a game, by which I mean I was carried thoroughly by my team because I haven't played Warzone for a while, and they did a big update that reset all of my settings and, and control changes, which was awesome. So appreciated oh, no. that very much. Um, booted up the PS3 and played through Resistance 1 and Resistance 3 uh, in yeah. co-op. Mm, I saw that on, on social media that you've been playing. They're them. so good. I'm not a huge fan of Resistance 2, but Resistance 1 is is really interesting to go back to now because they're still at that point wasn't really standardized first person shooter controls. Mm, yeah. yeah. But it's still a great game with a really intriguing story and like it still looks pretty good and Resistance 3 has just a way better story and the guns are phenomenal in that game. Insomniac is always so good with weapons and crazy stuff like that. Still absolutely gutted that there's there's been no port of this trilogy whatsoever and they are just abandoned on, on PS3. It's so sad. Uh, but starting them up again and playing through them with the tiny PS3 controller, which feels so <laughs> archaic now... Uh, was a real delight, a, re- a really lovely to walk back down that memory lane. Um, really had a really nice time playing through them again, so I hope yeah. to see those 
we see those in some kind of collection soon, maybe. I really want to play Resistance. I think it, it looks like a lot of fun. And it's it's sort of slightly stylized, isn't it? A little bit. Like, it's not quite yeah. kind of... It's, it's intentionally not quite photorealistic. It's got a little bit of a, a, a thing to it. Yeah, There's a little bit of exaggeration. Like the settings mm. are largely realistic, but yeah, the yeah. character models and stuff are they're, they're, they've got an art style for sure. Which is nice. I like that. Yeah. No, me too. And it really gets around the whole, uh, you know, graphical limitations of the time. Mm. Um, in co-op, I will say it was interesting going from seeing the cutscenes, which are all full screen, and then you go to split screen, and like the gameplay fidelity just drops. It's so, <laughs> so pixelated. It's really, like, it's so impressive that they got it to run, because back then it was just, you know, we were talking about co-op games in the big discussion a couple mm. of episodes ago. Back then it was just, yes, you, we need to have split screen co-op. We should, we should. like, that's what this game yeah. should have, because that's standard. Um, but yes, it was, it was quite remarkable having the game just sort of shrunk down quite so massively. But uh, yeah, great games, great games. Uh, last night, I platinumed Mass Effect 1, uh, got a little annoyed at it because it does that really fun thing that video games mercifully don't do too much anymore, which is lock you out of side quests when you reach a certain point in the game and oh, you can no, never come yeah. back to them. Um, so there was a trophy for that that was really irritating. I had to reload an earlier save to get it. Uh, but on the whole, I enjoyed that game very excited to play Mass Effect 2, one of my favourite ever games, with save data from the first game, which I've never been able to do before. Yeah. Um, but I'll get to that after Ratchet and Clank, I think. This is a good time to hop into that game. But that is what I've been playing. Wonderful. I'm also looking forward to playing all of the Mass Effect games for the very first time at some point. Yeah. Um, I nearly started those this week. I was like, I want to play something... Uh, partly so I can talk about it on the podcast. And I was like, well, I really want to play these this new Mass Effect trilogy. Well, I say new, this Mass Effect trilogy. And yeah. I thought, uh, I won't, because I think with the busyness we've got with E3, I'm not going to be playing games in the evening for probably a few days over the next week or so. And I thought, I that's probably the kind of game where I want to sort of stick with it and keep it up rather than have breaks yeah. of a few days. So I thought, let's not, let's not start that if I... I think I might not finish it. So yeah. it's got some quirky controls like hold X to sprint and stuff. So if you're juggling games, it can get a bit mm. confusing. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you have it then? Have you bought the trilogy? I've not bought it yet. No, but I, I'm going to for sure. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Well, I look forward to hearing what you think of them because they are they're great games. Really mm. good fun. Much preferred. Honestly, they eat Dragon Age's breakfast, and you can take that to the bank. I don't care. Dislike? Whoa. Don't dislike the video. Some people love um, Dragon Age. I've never been able to get into it, but space opera? Yes, please. I'll do yeah. that. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Let's move on to question two Let's. from Richard Major, who says perhaps you could rate E3 2021 out of 10 before and then after the event. This episode and the next episode, he says in parentheses. Thank you, yeah. Richard. This could be a fun thing to do. I know we said there's not going to be much E3 talk this week because we, we have nothing to talk about, but based on the sheer number of conferences that are coming up, and this is just, if I just have a look here, because we're only covering five of them on our channel, like the, mm. the ones that we put, we perhaps biased uh, are biased uh, towards perceiving as the biggest ones, but you've got... Uh, the Koch Primetime Gaming Stream, Summer Game Fest, IGN Expo, the e the official E3 2021 stream, Ubisoft Forward, Devolver Digital, Gearbox, Square Enix, the Future Games Show, Xbox, Bethesda, Nintendo, PC Gamer, Capcom. There's so much. There is so much. Take Two, Capcom, Razer, Nintendo, Bandai Namco. Yeah. Yeah. It just goes on and on. 
So, Absolutely and it's yeah. exciting. It's not just uh, the same level of excitement that you have because E3 is coming up and there's going to be a load of reveals and new information and so on on games we already know about. But it's kind of got an extra touch to it in that we didn't get this last year, you know? So yeah. I know there were still, you know, a few kind of little mini conferences throughout the year and trailers and things, but it, 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 we didn't have the E3 feeling last year at all because it, it officially wasn't happening. So uh, it, it's kind of a double, a double whammy, really, in terms of excitement. Yeah. So in that sense, my um, anticipation is high. I'm really looking mm-hmm. forward to it. It'll be nice just to sit down and shoot the the plops with you and the community when we're watching live. Yeah. However, I I'm trying to go in with a little bit of um, I don't know if trepidation is the right word, but I think it's worth bearing in mind that these companies have been affected by the COVID nineteen pandemic over the past eighteen months, and therefore. Uh, although things are now improving in the present, these things take time to trickle through in terms of you know, stuff like game development. That, that's going to be still being affected to a certain extent. And uh, I think it's worth bearing in mind that perhaps we might get lesser offerings than we ordinarily would have done in a, in a quote-unquote normal E3. So I'm, I'm trying to kind of temper some of my expectations and uh, bear in mind that you know the workflow has been affected over the past year or so. Yeah. Um, so personally, going into this, I'm going to rate it a very happy, fine, contented average of seven point five out of ten. Oh, you're going for the point five scale, huh? Well, only because I thought seven seems a bit harsh. Like I'm, I'm very excited for it, but eight <laughs> right. seems a bit overexcited because. As I say, I think it, we there might be some level of like, oh, that's yeah. a bit less than what I was thinking. So I, I did go for that. 75% is what I was thinking rather than 7.5 out of 10. But yeah, mm-hmm. so 7, 7 out of 10 I'll, I'll go with if you want an integer. Sure. I, I have also actually put 7 out of 10. Mm. Just because, because this is the podcast where there must be no disagreement ever. We yeah, are always yeah. on the same page. No, 7.5 out of 10 is what I'm, I'm saying. I'm going to go for 7.4, so flip oh. off, yeah? Um, no, I think sometimes it's nice to listen to podcasts where people agree, but you yeah. know what, whatever, each to their own. Um, yes, E3 has somewhat been dragged through the mud over the past, I would say, two years, mm. because the one in 2019... Didn't go great, and I'm not talking about announcements, but in terms of uh, PR, from a PR perspective, yeah. wasn't that well received after they leaked all the journalists' information and so on and so forth. Um, however, it, I think it may have benefited them, because people always like an underdog story. Not that the ESA are underdogs, they are very <laughs> wealthy, um, but I think people want to see it succeed. People don't want it to fail. And also, there is that excitement. As you said, we didn't really get anything like this last year. We had weird, scattered stuff throughout the summer that was hard to keep track of. And yes, having it all concentrated in one place can be massively overwhelming, and a lot of announcements can get drowned out, and you will miss stuff. Um, But having it all at the same time is way better. And I think, especially as a big PlayStation fan, the fact that PlayStation aren't there, I think also helps with my expectations going in, because... I, I don't really have any, it sounds weird to say, I don't really have many high hopes for it. Yeah, like I'm, I'm going in. Yeah. 
just looking forward to having a good time and seeing all the announcements. Like, there's nothing there that I am personally hugely invested in. And in fact, in slight disagreement to what you said about the companies being affected by COVID, they have been affected by COVID. That's not what I'm disagreeing with. Yeah. Um, Last year, that perhaps would have rang far more true in that we would have either had things that should have been announced, not announced, um, and, you know, perhaps things shown off that were then delayed for ages. However, as we are all sort of widely in agreement that 2022 is going to be absolutely flipping bonkers for games that have been Mm. delayed out of 2021, I have a feeling that E3, this one could be absolutely insane, packed to the rafters with loads of announcements that we should have got last year that were potentially sat on for the That's sake of um, for the sake of COVID. So um, it sorry, I, I, I was just gonna say I hadn't thought about the the kind of the backlog of, of that stuff that wasn't shown. I was more thinking like, oh yeah, some stuff that maybe the they were working on for twenty twenty two was maybe delayed in twenty twenty. So this year it might have ordinarily been revealed but it might have been delayed da, 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 da. but you're right like i hadn't even considered that the stuff we didn't see last year is probably due this year so yeah that's that's a good point well peter you're right too because covid will still affect this stuff and even if it's announced now it may not be ready anytime soon but mm. certainly things that were announced last year that we haven't seen anything of say harry potter games um, yeah say god i'm completely blanking now there's going to be a lot of stuff that was announced last year that we haven't really seen anything of for over a year likely solely due to covid and there being no central place to announce this stuff so we could be seeing even though it's not necessarily new announcements we could be seeing a lot of footage for games that people are hyped for that we just don't know a great deal amount uh, amount about yet uh so yeah i'm going in expecting nothing and excited to just go along with the madness and enjoy it. And I think that's probably the best way to to consume this kind of event. Mm, yeah, I'd forgotten about um, the fact that, well, I hadn't really forgotten about Harry Potter. But uh, yeah, that, that might be something that I hadn't considered that that might be at E3, which it may well be, Could to be, be honest. Like, we're, we're getting there. I think it was supposed to be re- released this year. So it would make sense for them to show something this year and release it next year. So that's another one I'm excited for there's a complicated merger going on at the moment between warner bros parent company and they're selling off different things and stuff we talked about it vaguely before but now it's actually happening don't know what's going to go on with with this sort of stuff or even who will represent it but i believe i believe warner brothers has a presence at this e3 so we will we'll see we'll see what comes out Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be exciting though either way and uh, again make sure you follow along with our schedule which is about to be updated at the time of recording because some of the times are wrong because yeah. time zones weren't made clear in companies announcements and some of them said GMT when it is in fact BST so it's an yes. hour later <sighs> but there we go so, but as Ben says stick with us for all of the important E3 news to see where I'm going with this yeah sort of yeah 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 sort of uh, yeah and stick with this podcast literally every week until the end of time for yeah. weird, news. Oh, weird news. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Weird news time. Time for weird news. Peter, what have you got this week? I've got a slightly tenuous weird news here in that it, it definitely did... Oh, have I closed it? I had it open in a tab before. Hang on, let me click it. I've got it in oh, my document no. here, in my, in my notes. Um, it, it did affect the gaming sphere, but it also affected lots of other things too. And uh, But the write-up is on PC Gamer, so it definitely counts. That's what I'm saying. So okay. I'm justifying it. So this gotcha. is according to PC Gamer, written by Alan Dexter. It's a great name. Um, who says, This week's internet blackout was caused by a single user updating their settings. Oh, good. Okay. So you'll be aware of this. I know you're aware of this, Ben, and I'm sure pretty much everyone listening was in some way affected or noticed um, that there was a, an internet blackout on Tuesday, the whatever of June 8th. Uh, yes. yes. Um, so uh, this is a bit more about that. Little subtitle here. A bug, dormant since mid-May, was triggered by a very specific user configuration update. So here we go. Fastly, one of the internet's largest content delivery networks, CDN, went down this Tuesday, resulting in millions of users being unable to access certain websites. 85% of the network covered by Fastly returned errors on Tuesday morning, and it was all caused by a single user configuration update that uncovered a bug that had laid dormant in Fastly's infrastructure since mid-May. Um, it doesn't actually list examples of websites that went down, but, I mean, PC Gamer went down. They, they do say that towards the end of the article. Reddit uh, was affected. Uh, what else? There were a, a few big websites that... Uh, I don't think Twitter was because people were tweeting about Reddit being down, but um, Amazon, I think, as well. Uh, so, yeah, it was a pretty devastating thing for a short time. Um, in an interview with The Guardian, the head of infrastructure and engineering at Fastly, Nick Rockwell, explained what had actually happened to bring down its services and also apologised for the disruption. It feels a rare thing for such a big company to be so transparent about this, but it's certainly something to welcome. 
Content delivery networks operate on the principle that the internet is faster and more stable if the users are physically closer to them. This results in... What does that mean? That's weird. <laughs> closer to the internet. Uh, yeah, or to fastly. Uh, oh, closer to, closer to the content delivery networks, I guess. Uh, so, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, this results in faster downloads, better security, and a host of other features. It also means there's a point of failure if something goes wrong, though. And that's exactly what happened on June the 8th. On May... This is a quote. On May the 12th, we began a software deployment... Uh, that introduced a bug that could be triggered by a specific customer configuration under specific circumstances, Rockwell told The Guardian. Early June 8th, a customer pushed a valid configuration change that included the specific circumstances that triggered the bug, which caused 85% of our network to return errors. Essentially, a bug had been introduced to the system on May the 12th, but had laid dormant until a customer updated their settings on June the 8th, which triggered the flaw, taking down most of the internet with it, including PC Gamer, for many users. Fastly spotted the problem within a minute, and, quote, within 49 minutes, 95% of our network net network was operating as normal. Uh, there's a financial impact to users not being able to access sites, of course, and SEO agency Reboot estimates that the downtime cost Amazon $32 million in oh, sales. Oh, no. Poor Amazon. Poor Amazon. I hope they oh. recover from this. Make sure you go and buy stuff from Amazon to support them. Yeah, don't go to your local shops this week. Don't do that. They're going to be struggling. <laughs> so there you go. Um one user changed some of their settings and it cascaded into most of the internet. I like to think that they just updated their profile pic. Yeah, to it's a like picture of new, like troll Hashtag new profile pic and then the <laughs> internet crashes. What does that say about you and your profile pic? That's mm. what I want to know. Yeah. Wow, that is very weird. Isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Well, what's your weird news? In fact, uh, I know what your weird news is but haven't mm. read it yet. Because okay. uh, this was sent to me. Ben and I send just a topic to each other before the podcast so that we don't end up bringing the same story. So we're like, yeah. my weird news is about the internet going down. And Ben says, okay, mine's not. And uh, Ben has given me his topic and it was DM'd to me uh, by... Let me let me get the name. Well, I've, got, I've got it here. You've got it. Michael Thompson at Doodlebug Inc. But the O's in Doodle are zeros. So thank you, Michael, for sending that. You did the right thing, sending it to just one of us. You've done the right thing, Michael. Um, We're proud of you. You sent it to me, but then Ben had already messaged me and said, I'm going to do this story. And I was like, okay, I've I've been sent that, but I'm not going to read it. So there we go. Okay, thank you, Michael, for sending this in. Thank you, Michael. Uh, This is from Kotaku and Ian Walker. Report. Quantic Dream executives cry, ask if they can lie during recent court appearance. I really want to know the context here. I'm, yeah, I'm just I'm going to give you a second to, to just absorb that. Now That's we all love, I know. We love Quantic Dream and their weird, wonky, sometimes great games. Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, uh, Detroit Become Human, Fahrenheit, or Inigo Prosy. And David Quage in particular, a very challenging auteur, shall we say, who doesn't have the best reputation. Uh, Here we go. Quantic Dream executives recently appeared in a Paris court as part of its ongoing defamation lawsuit against French publications Le Monde and Mediapart. 
but according to a May the 31st report, things didn't go smoothly for the studio behind games like Heavy Rain and Detroit Become Human. Independent French union Solidaire Informatique reports that co-CEOs David Cage and Guillaume de Fondomier, which is just so mm. fantastically French, uh, both, exhibited, both exhibited strange behaviour during their testimonies. Cage allegedly cried on the stand, stomping his feet, screaming about interferences to his business and damage to his honour, and eventually storming out of the courtroom altogether. <laughs> Wow. How David Cage is that? If you could describe David Cage as a person just from his games, Mm -hmm. I think it would be that guy who cries and stamps his feet like a toddler. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's him. Just yelling Sean to the room. Yeah. Yeah. Sean. Le Sean, actually. Le Sean. (laughs) Le Sean. Uh, Near the end of his own testimony, de Fondomier uh, reportedly looked at the judges and asked, but I'm not under oath, so I can lie? Before claiming Quantic (laughs) Dream was seriously damaged by the stories about its toxic work environment. Solidaire Informatique says de de Fondomier, this is getting harder to say, didn't provide proof of these damages. Quantic Dream did not respond to Kotaku's request for comments. And then it goes on to detail what the lawsuit is about. Basically, back in 2018, there were several reports published in French press concerning working conditions at Quantic Dreams and how it was uh, awful working uh, work culture was rife with toxic behavior, the most prevalent being a massive internal trove of photoshopped images depicting employees in sexual situations and altered to look like Nazis. These images reported worse. (laughs) Just so much worse. These reportedly uh, these images reportedly dated all the way back to 2013 and were sometimes even displayed in open areas of the Quantic Dream offices. So they that's insane it is bonkers it's it's awful if true well yeah Um, awful allegedly because the court case is still ongoing but yes they are suing these publications for defamation um although scuttlebutt in the industry is that david quage in particular is a bit of a dick Mm. um and that seems pretty in keeping with him as a person regardless of the you know the the art that he makes the man is very much separate from that and should be uh judged accordingly uh but yes it's it, the weird part is is those two's reaction in court asking if they can lie um, yeah. just to the asking the judges if they can lie and stamping their feet and storming out and screaming and crying if if it occurred to you like oh hang on i'm i'm not under oath here i could i could probably lie couldn't i because i'm not actually <laughs> under oath and you know there were no consequences i wouldn't then say Excuse me, if because I'm not under oath, am I allowed to lie? Can I lie? Here, Is that allowed? Uh, I'd can just I legally do it lie? if I was going to, which I w- yeah. of course would never do. But you know, if it, if if the thought occurred to me, I would just do it rather than check. Flipping bonkers, absolutely bonkers. I don't, I do not understand. Anyway, mm. there we are. That is my weird news. Very weird. <sighs> Very strange. So we will we'll see what the outcome of that case is. But given that the line uh, Solidaire Informatique says De Fondomier didn't provide proof of these damages, I think they really don't have much of a case here. They're just trying to put you know put on a good face and mm. say no, we didn't do that. Rather than saying yes, actually we did do the Nazi and sexual images. We did. We're so yeah. bad, but we're not going to quit because we're white men. <laughs> That's it. All things considered, it sounds like it's not been very nice working in game development in France for a while because that's some of those things are exactly what was um, reported at oh, Ubisoft about Montpellier. Michel on sale and stuff. And, well, and the rest oh. of Ubisoft. Uh, yeah, God. Yeah. Well, 
Not not anything. He some of it was like lumped in with sexual misconduct that was happening at the same time. But that yeah. I think at Montpellier was more just like toxic environment, like people shouting at each other and. It's yeah, a symptom of game development, isn't it? Which is yeah, very sad. Thankfully, though, a lot of it being called out. So hopefully that that changes. Um, again, very, very limited experience in game development. Uh, I did not encounter any such issues. But then again, I it is worth pointing out that I am white, straight, and and a man. Uh, so there's there's a good chance that if there were such issues, I wouldn't have fallen afoul of them. But I imagine you were probably there are, doing them, Ben. Oh yeah, without you. even think, just subconsciously being a terrible man. Um, but yeah, there, I'm sure that there are, and I know for a fact, there are fantastic and good people in game development. There are great mm. studios with great cultures, but yes, these, these issues do exist and they are worth acknowledging and addressing and taking care of for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially if the people at the top are crying <laughs> and yeah. screaming in court, probably worth stamping their out. feet. What is that? <laughs> but my honor, <laughs> please, let's, let's move on. I suppose we should. Uh, it's time for question three. This is from Dan Scott, who says, With Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart coming out this Friday, I've noticed many on social media proclaiming that it'll be their first experience with the franchise and asking others if there's anything they need to know about previous entries. With this said, have you boys ever dived into a franchise, that is, one with a continuity and not self-contained stories like Final Fantasy or the Tales series, at an unusual point within the series? And did a series ever pull you in so much that you felt the urge to go back and marathon earlier games in the series? For me, I played Yakuza Like a Dragon last year, and so uh, and so I spent much of lockdown th- uh, lockdown three playing my silly Japanese crime dramas. Much love <laughs> to all the team uh, from Dan Scott. Thank, Thank you, Dan. you, Dan Scott. Say hello to your uncle Barry for me. Yes, in- indeed. Is Barry Scott still alive? Uh, I think he is. I think you're okay. thinking of um, Billy Mays, who sadly is yes, no with yes, us. that yeah, they are sort of all part of the same. Crime family, aren't they? Cut from the same cloth, yeah. Crimes crimes against products. Cut from the same extremely absorbent cloth that you can wring out. (laughs) Only (laughs) $9.99! So, Dan, it's a good question, thank you. um, I'm actually a bit of a stickler, me seeks, for not uh, going into a series if I've not experienced the, the... previous entries i don't like going in halfway through things i'm the same with movie series which is mostly or partly why i've not seen a lot of the avengers and like marvel marvel movies because although i know there are certain entry points where you can you can go in there if you want to um i i just didn't like the idea of going into like the first avengers film without having seen iron man for example and things like that yeah. so and I, i'm the same with gaming so there are probably a, a couple of exceptions um i will be jumping into ratchet and clank having only ever played the first game i've not played any other ratchet and clank games i've not even played the the remake that they did um which i might do because i've got it on my on my library i think it was yeah. uh Part of the plus collection, I part think. of the plus, yeah, or it, it was is, free yeah. last year as well, maybe. As yeah, well at some point. So I might give that a go just to refresh my memory, actually. But um, I'll I'll be sort of doing that to an extent, having only played one of the previous games, um, and also I guess um, to an extent, Oblivion and uh, Fallout Three sort of count. In a, it's kind of that's a bit of a loose one because they're almost they're self-contained stories, but they do tie in to previous 
you know, there's like lore and stuff that kind of yeah. crosses over. So there's maybe an argument to say that those are those are the case. But I suppose that is kind of where my exceptions uh, are rooted. So with Oblivion and Fallout 3, those were the first games in that series that were made available to me on console. So that is probably the only time that I will go into a series halfway through uh, you know, if if suddenly a series makes its way over to a platform that I own, um, then I'll, I'll be willing to to hop in there. Like The Witcher Three, for example, I'm I'm gonna play that eventually without having played the first two, um, and that's for pretty much the same reasons. Uh, but yeah, if if there was a game series out there where the previous entries were available on a console that I owned, then uh, I I would be inclined to give them a go beforehand. It's just something that I. I've always done, really. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. It does make total sense. I, think, I suppose you, uh, that's where the question comes from, right? It's that it's unusual. Yeah, it's unusual it to start in the middle. And I have been thinking, is there anything, is there going to be anything in Ratchet that I need to know? Any any characters or like kind of major plot points that I've missed? So I might, I might do a cursory Google about that before I play the game. A great point. I think you should largely be fine, because I'm doing exactly the same thing. I've mm. played various ratchet and clanks throughout the years i did finish the 2016 remake slash movie tie-in um but i don't think i've ever really sat down and played a proper ratchet and clank from start to finish before just sort of dabbled in it at friends houses and stuff it's never really been a series that i was massively interested in until it was made somewhat flagship by i think the raising of the profile of insomniac as a developer perhaps Mm, it feels it feels bigger now than it used to yeah. And uh, a lot of I, I have a friend who's a longtime fan of Ratchet and Clank, and is beside himself with excitement for this new one. And I imagine him and many other people will listen to us talking about it and see people hopping in now, thinking, "Oh, you flipping posers!" Yeah. I, I was here. I was here through Ratchet and Clank, Full Frontal Assault, and Up Your Arsenal, Up your and all arsenal. that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, and the PSP spin-offs and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I suppose Ratchet and Clank is one. Uh, I'm very much like you in that I do try to start at the beginning of a series when I'm getting into it. Uh, I have a couple of examples, though, of ones where I did hop in halfway through, Mass Effect 2 being one of them. Yeah. Although it wasn't really my choice because Mass Effect 1 at the time was not on PS3. Exactly, um, yeah. And as of this month, I have gone back and played Mass Effect 1. So mm. there we go. Uh, equally, uh, Metal Gear Solid Five Ground Zeroes, the tiny little demo which purists will argue you know it's got endless replayability because there's like different missions and different ways you can approach the base but it's like okay but they did charge a lot of money for it and that's not fair uh i played that i covered it for push square before it came out did i went to like a review event and again i think i've told this story before i was shocked that i rolled credits in the allotted time of the session i was like i'm just gonna play a bit and write a preview um and the gameplay of that, despite its short length ultimately hampering the score I gave it and what I thought of it overall, the gameplay was so good that I was like, I really, really want to get into Metal Gear Solid, and I've wanted to for ages. So after playing Ground Zeroes, throughout that summer before 5 properly released, uh, I went back and played 1, 2, and 3, and I started 4 but never got much further than that. But 1, 2, and 3 I think are the major important ones for 5 because of its setting. Mm. um and and time period so yeah i'd say that's one um that that i definitely started near the end and went back to the beginning uh one that 
I'm breaking the rules ever so slightly and choosing a series that doesn't have self-contained stories are the WWE games, which right. is a bit... And, you know, I know you could say, you know, FIFA. I played FIFA 20 <laughs> and I went back and played FIFA 95 or whatever it was. Whoa. But um, yeah. Yeah, the WWE games, I, I sort of played them over the years. And then when I got back into wrestling at the beginning of... Uh, it would have been like 2012-ish, thereabouts. Um, I played WWE 12, the game of that year. And then I... And then I played WWE 13, and then I went back and just sort of got a bit obsessed, and I played through all of the SmackDown versus Raw games from, like, 2007 through 2011. Um, And that's really fun. It's fun to go back and experience sort of the the story of these uh, games, not necessarily from a narrative perspective, but just to see how the gameplay evolves and, you know, new ideas that come and go as the series progresses, especially an annualized series. You know, I imagine Assassin's Creed is... Is if they weren't so long, that would be a fascinating one to go back and just see, you know, how it how it's changed throughout the years uh, by hopping through the different games. But um, yeah, that's it. Those are my ones. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think if any of the ones that I have played have made me go back and play previous games. Um, with Fallout, I don't think that that really. Uh, obviously, the, the early Fallout games are kind of top down isometric things so uh, it's a different genre entirely i'm sure it's still very interesting in terms of lore and stuff but that i've never felt compelled to play fallout one and two but yeah. with oblivion and skyrim i have always wanted to um, pick up morrowind and give that a go and maybe one day i will um but there's far too much to play in the meantime yeah but, uh yeah yeah morrowind looks like a lot of fun it does i'd like to play morrowind but uh you gotta get that game pass my friend if you want to play yeah. that morrowind on a console mm-hmm. are you ready peter for Something large. It is. Have you got your paper? It I've is. Got it. Yeah. The big discussion. The big discussion. It's big discussion time. This week's big discussion comes courtesy of Cat with a K, who says, Sometimes you just need to start and finish a game in an evening to do something different. What very short games, one to five hours, would you recommend playing? Thank you, B and TP, Cat. Thanks, K, for your question. <laughs> Thanks, K. Um... I have thought of a few sort of older games. It's been a while, really, since I've sat down and played a game that would qualify here. I played a game, a few games that are maybe sort of six hours. Like I don't think Little Nightmares and Little Nightmares Two quite count. You could probably mm-hmm. play them through in a night if you really, really <laughs> rushed through it and forced yourself and knew where you were going if you'd already played it before. But I left those out. Um, but Limbo is one. I. Uh, on my first run of Limbo, it probably took me much longer than... Uh, well, I know it took much longer than a single evening. But it's the kind of game where if you know roughly what you're doing, where you're going, and how the game works, you could absolutely get through that in an evening. And I think that's mm-hmm. a very interesting sort of game to play at night, perhaps, when you're on your own. It's sort Ooh. of... it. It's not so spooky that you feel spooked, but it's certainly atmospheric. It's... Uh, you know, I that's the kind of game I could play in the dark and not be scared, but certainly be affected in some way by the atmosphere. So I'd recommend mm-hmm. that. Um, there are some relatively short uh, walking sims. Um, everybody's gone to the rapture. Could definitely be finished in, in a few hours if you didn't stop too long to smell the roses. Um, and uh, likewise, a game that I really, really enjoyed streaming... 
Uh, and admittedly, it took me probably three or four, well, maybe maybe about three streams. So that's six hours or so. Uh, but again, I was I was really going for completionism and stopping to smell the roses, talking to chat and stuff. But a game I really enjoyed playing uh, on stream was Little Inferno. Um, yeah, that's so a that's, nice one, isn't it? Yeah, it's the game on. I think it's only available on on PC uh, and, and Mac, I guess, but maybe it's not. Uh, where you spend almost the entire game just looking at a sort of fireplace furnace incinerator thing and you just buy stuff and burn it uh but there's kind of more to it than that you have to sort of experiment and burn things together and there's all these sort of interesting wacky effects and you receive correspondence from people next door or the weatherman or the person in charge of the company that you're buying all the stuff from and there's this weird world that it's set in where like outside it's really snowy and everyone in every house is actually just sitting in front of their fireplace burning stuff and sort of <laughs> enjoying themselves but also it feels really kind of dark and apocalyptic as well um mm-hmm. so and it's but it's got that kind of it's got a sort of coziness to it that would be a really nice evening game as well i think just to sit yeah. on your own listen to the music and uh, and, and burn things so Little Inferno is well up there for me. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good yeah. shout. Um, I harp on about it all the time, but Oxenfree mm. is such a good game and people should play it and buy it. Uh, I actually discovered it from a fantastic list that PlayStation Access did about games that you can complete in one sitting. Because ah. I was very much in that mindset at the time. I was like, yes, I would love some inspiration for games that I can just sit down and finish in one go. And Oxenfree had me absolutely hooked. And I may well have talked about what it roughly concerns uh, previously, but it's sort of, it's presented from a side-on perspective. It's all fully voice acted and you can choose your responses. You play as a character that is something of an outsider from the popular kids and there's meant to be this thing that happens, I believe, after... You might be a high schooler, you might be in college, I'm not entirely sure. But basically there's a... There's sort of a tradition where a group of you go to a nearby sort of abandoned island and get drunk and just like have a fire on the beach and stuff and like have a barbecue or whatever. You go to this island this time. There aren't many people there uh, in terms of your schoolmates or whatever. And then you start picking up weird radio signals and it all gets a bit spooky and strange. And there's like a weird sort of psychological... Uh, horror vibe going on like things start repeating themselves and the the radio you've got is is interacting with this strange artifact and it's really good like it was really gripping and just spooky enough that it wasn't upsetting and that you had to put it down but spooky enough to keep you on the edge of your toes you know it kept me well and truly gripped and intrigued all the way to the end and you can finish it in one sitting i just i want people to play this game it's Hmm. and that studio is so good they also did after party um in 2019 which was one of my games of the year so good they're such a good studio please go go check go check out oxenfree oxenfree 2 is is coming soon as well which i don't know how that's going to work but i will play it (laughs) by (laughs) god i'll play it um besides that as peter said walking simulators you can't go wrong with those everybody's gone to the rapture Dear Esther, Firewatch, uh, What Remains of Edith Finch is fantastic, so good. Go and play that. And beyond that, I suppose, 
apart from because it's largely indie games yeah. that fit into this category quite neatly, uh, which I do appreciate because there are some indie games that are roguelikes or you know you've got your your super challenging ones like Super Meat Boy or your Binding of Isaacs that you can just play forever. And as we've discussed on the podcast before, that's not really either of our kinds of games. So I do appreciate an indie game that is self-contained and like has a story and wraps up within three or four hours or whatever. Like that's great. That's perfect. It's all I want. Um, but beyond that, maybe perhaps a Telltale series. There's plenty of them. You can finish an episode in two to three hours. And sometimes I find that because I can't play in my experience of playing Telltale games, I can't play two episodes back to back. It's like it's too much. It yeah. feels like too much of an undertaking. But certainly playing one episode a day or just in an evening is perfect. Like it's it's ideal for that. And there is really something to be said for games that are designed that way. And I suppose the same goes for Life is Strange. Um, and what is it? The other one they did. Tell Me Why, that was a recent one as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's Tell Me Why, which I believe is free during Pride Month uh, on the Microsoft oh, Store. Really? And I have grabbed it because I would like to play it. So th- go get that too. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's plenty there. And I think that there is really something to be said for just being able to bash out a game in a few hours. It, it's a real sense of pride and accomplishment, as EA would say. Well, I was also, I was trying to think of kind of Something a bit more mainstream, like maybe if if there are any non-indie version and non-indie games I could think of. And I've just remembered actually, I once accidentally completed Portal in one sitting. Uh, Portal One <laughs> is shorter. Whoops! It's shorter than you remember. And I sat down thinking because I had Portal Two in my in my mind. It's kind of my most recent memory of playing a Portal game, which you know has a lot more to it. And I sat down and was like, oh, I've not played Portal in a while. I'm going to give that a go. Um, and I, I was assuming it would t- take me at least a couple of sittings. And uh, you can actually get through that thing really quickly in like maybe three hours or something. If you, again, if you, it helps to have, have played it before and understand all the mechanics from the get go. But uh, yeah, that's another one. If anyone's not played Portal and they're thinking, oh, well, it's probably a bit long and complicated, it's anything but, certainly, the first game. Um, so that's one, that's one to try. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there we are. That is the podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, let us know what you think of all the things we've spoken about. How excited are you for E3? I mean, how how are you enjoying E3? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's happening right now. Uh, anyway, we've got loads of stuff coming up. We'll talk about it in a minute. Peter's now going to tell you where you can find us. We are on YouTube and Twitch at Team Triple Jump. That's youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash Team Triple Jump. Pretty much all of our E3 coverage will be via, well, I say pretty much. I mean, actually, all of our E3 coverage will be via YouTube. That's both of our uh, both our live streams that we're doing at the time and the, the sort of breakdown and the discussion and stuff we're doing afterwards and some lists about E3 and all that kind of stuff. But we do stream on Twitch as well normally, so go check that out. Uh, if you've got Amazon Prime, one of the benefits of that is that you get a free Twitch sub. Um, so maybe consider spending that on us, if you like. Uh, thank you to Lord Brotovich, Madstadactyl, and Trowling Badger, who moderate our streams on both YouTube and Twitch. Our social media platforms are twitter.com and facebook.com, both forward slash team triple jump. Luke Eldon is looking after Facebook for us. Thank you, Luke. Um, patreon.com forward slash team triple jump is where you can go to access all of our Patreon tiers. 
uh, including uh, being able to ask questions on this podcast, early worst games ever, etc. Lots more as well. Uh, the website is triplej.mup. That's triplej.mp. If you go to triplej.mup forward slash discord, that will send you straight to our discord, uh, which is modded by Jack, Joe, and Hollow Eyes. Triplej.mup forward slash podcast will send you to a uh, a place where you can download the audio version of this podcast if you're watching on YouTube right now. Um, forward slash VODs will send you over to our VODs channel on YouTube where all of our VODs get uploaded. And finally, you can go to triplejumpshop.com or triplejumpshop.com forward slash shop to access our shop. Uh, or you can, well, And you can follow at triplejumpshop on Twitter. There is... There is a new drop coming. We are talking with our merch people about it. It's coming, we promise. We can't tell you when exactly, but it's coming soon. We've seen designs, and mm. we've seen them for a while. It is, we've seen it, all of the designs now, I think. They are pretty much ready. We're just finalising stuff. So, yeah. <clears throat> Oh, excuse me. We're finalising stuff, so get get ready in his its way you can follow peter on instagram and twitter at that peter austin and myself just on twitter at confused underscore dude we do lists every tuesday wednesday and thursday streams every monday thursday and friday thursday being the joint stream blaze it on youtube monday and friday being solo streams on twitch the joint stream this week was on tuesday actually so mm. <laughs> curveball uh, worst games ever is fortnightly friday for patrons of a certain tier sunday for everyone else this is a worst games ever week podcast is every saturday and we do shows once every other week or thereabouts why not leave us a review on itunes it helps something to do with algorithms this week peter e3 coverage out the wazoo go Mm. check it out youtube.com forward slash team triple jump forward slash live that's where you can find it we'll be there reacting to the big boys we you're well at this point you're Square Enixes, your Bethesda and Xboxes, and your Nintendos, because the other ones will be done. No, tonight we're doing Ubisoft, if you're listening immediately. So oh, yeah, hopefully yeah. see you there. It will be tonight. Hopefully see you there. It's also Worst Games Ever Week, isn't it? Mm, yeah, so uh, that will be available for everyone tomorrow at time of release of this podcast, or Sunday, if you're watching a little bit later. Um, but uh, yeah, as we say, it was available uh, for patrons of the Hot and Fresh tier on Friday evening. So uh, if you want to get early worst games ever, head to patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. Yeah, do so. Do so. Finally, of course, triplejump.gg. Go check it out for all your currencies and so on. It does help us. We really appreciate it. Finally, Peter, the sponsor, what we got? Uh, coming soon from um, uh, from the Entertainment Hardware Association, EHA, mm-hmm. uh, Key uh-huh. 3 is coming to get you. Right yes. now. He's, yeah, he's I, was just, I was waiting for him to get me. That's what oh, it was. Okay. That's what that yeah. pause was. Wonderful. Well, run everyone and lock your doors as well. We'll yeah. see you next time. Bye. Bye up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.